When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. All right. All right. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show. Here's In the Bonus with Doug Gottlieb. What up? Doug Gottlieb Show in the Bonus, Fox Sports Radio. This is our podcast only hour. You will love it. If you're listening to the radio show on the podcast, of course, you know this comes first, and then you get the other couple hours. So there's more of a breakdown on last night's game um, in the radio show. But I, 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 I wanted to bring up a topic which, I don't know, um, is is kind of top of mind for me. And I, I kind of think it's sad, right? Tonight, if you're listening to this podcast, that means you're either getting ready to watch or maybe if you watch it, listen later in the night, you have just watched the Philadelphia 76ers take on the Boston Celtics. They're up one game to none. Of course, a bit of an upset, not a bit, major upset. In game one, because Joel Embiid, who we now know is the league's MVP, uh, didn't play. And James Harden had 45, including a huge three late down the stretch, and they win the game. And Embiid's supposed to play tonight. He's now the sitting MVP. And there's a there's a lot to unpack in terms of the center position, which has now won the past uh, three MVPs. And yet we haven't seen a any sort of traditional five win anything in the NBA in in quite a long time, right? Since, I guess, Tim Duncan. And Tim Duncan is not a power forward. Tim Duncan was a center. Um, he was a power forward when they drafted him, when they had, when they had David Robinson. Uh, there were times in which he played power forward, but for the most part, he was a center. But we haven't had a dominant big guy who scores in the low post win an NBA championship since Tim Duncan did it in 
LeBron James, what his, was that his uh, third year? Third, third, right, third year in, uh, in, in Miami? That's when the last time it happened. But I, I think we can all agree. Actually, I don't think we have to agree. Vegas would tell you, right? Vegas is, is where I'm getting this from. Okay. At the time in which Kendrick Perkins basically said that because most of the voters are white, um, that they would give like an extra credit to white skinned players. I mean, he didn't say that, but I mean, that's really the, the take was like, hey, when Steve Nash won it, when Jokic won it, they probably shouldn't have because, uh, but most of the voters are white. And so they give those guys the benefit of the doubt. That's basically what he said. From that moment on, Jokic went from being the odds on favorite to winning to winning the the MVP okay to now finishing second and again there's there's a lot of things that took place Drew Hanlon who's uh the trainer for Joel Embiid it's really interesting like I've often always seen Drew Hanlon as a good guy kind of from nothing guy who's a good college player kind of a self-made dude who's made himself into a um a workout guy of the stars Jason Tatum and Joel Embiid are his two most known clients. I thought what he did was complete and total and utter fucking bullshit, right? Which well, what he did was he would point out, people would send him videos of Jokic not being great defensively, them coming at him and he would post it. And, you know, with all different sorts of, of things. The problem with that is there's no true context. Are you going to post all the defensive plays he makes that are great? Or are you going to post the ones where Joel Embiid doesn't challenge a driver and stays away? Right? Of course not. That's bullshit. That's fanboy bullshit, right? That's what you can do it. But if you're a real basketball guy, you know, it's it's you, you can't block every shot. You can't stop every play. What you can do, right? what you can do is you can find a way, right? find a way in which you can um, uh, you can give your own guy support. Show your own guy, like, if you want to just highlight what your own guy does, but if you're going to pick out the shitty parts of a guy, well, then you got to be fair. Again, if you're a fanboy. But I think there's a litany of things that happen. I think people began to hyper-focus on Jokic. Hey, is he really as good as the analytics? Uh, Nuggets went through a tough stretch. But if you remember, Embiid didn't play against Jokic the second time around when they played in Denver. And that was like a rematch. And so from that point forward, and, and look, I'm not saying that Jokic, I don't know if I would have voted the MVP. Like, I don't have an MVP vote. And so because of it, I'm not telling you I care all that much. What I'm saying is what happened is shitty. And what happened is something that I think we all understand and to this point isn't talked about. Which is, you get, you're afraid to be called a racist. You get afraid to be called a racist. And it's a paralyzing thing to be called a racist because what is the defense? Like I could go through the litany of things in which I do in my everyday life, which obviously shows that I'm not a racist. I don't have a racist bone in my body. Um, I'm, I'm really bothered by 
not just racism, but the amplification, the amplification, except that that's the right word, amplification for racist language from anybody's mouth. You know, I'm sure a lot of this stuff existed before social media, but it's made to feel like it's everywhere because of social media. It's like I've stopped posting fights at, at ball games. They've always happened, but they feel, I don't know, cooler or they happen more because they're posted on social media. I, like, what are you supposed to do if you're an NBA voter? You're like, okay, well, now I got to kind of rethink things. Am I really thinking about, like, you start to rethink things. Like, am I thinking about this because of, am I giving him the benefit of the doubt because he doesn't jump high? He's not as athletic as, as Joel Embiid or because he's, like, you start questioning yourself. I think it's shitty. The funny part is go, is that, um, or the ironic part is that Jokic doesn't appear to give a shit and he may well win a title which is the ultimate revenge which is all that's about anyway MVP awards don't really mean anything um, because the regular season doesn't really mean anything don't believe me what feels like an NBA finals is between the sixth and seventh seed in the west so I don't think it's all because of Ken I don't think Joel Embiid shouldn't have won the MVP probably should have won it last year last year was the year I thought he should have won it but um, I, I don't think Joel Embiid only won the award because of those comments but I think that absolutely changed how people looked at it and there's at least a percentage of people that were like okay how am I going to be viewed what happens if my vote gets outed you know nobody wants to be called a racist so I, I I think it's disgraceful what Kendrick Perkins did. You may say in your mind, like this is a true kind of woke wake up event. Like the idea of being woke is being kind of alert to all the things going on um, in society. Okay, but wokeism has taken on a completely where everything is racist. That that's. That's what's become. Everything is racist. Everybody's racist. That's the underlying thing. And it's such incredible bullshit, especially in basketball, where if anything, it's been, I don't know, people call it reverse racism, but it's not. It's still racism, but it has been racism in the opposite way in which racism is alleged to constantly occur in society, which is anti-white. So I don't think, I mean, the, the, the clown show thing about the whole discussion is forever foreign born players have had to kind of jump through extra hoops to prove that they're tougher, that they're good enough, that they're not floppers, that they somehow belong. And now we've had our third consecutive foreign born player win the MVP, Giannis uh, to Jokic to Embiid. And so instead of trying to figure out, hey, how come our American born players aren't being recognized as the top in their craft. Instead, Kendrick Perkins said basically it's racism. And it's shitty. And I don't think anybody's going to go back historically and point that out with when we talk about Embiid's first MVP. He's a great player. I, re- I do remember the very first time that I walked into Kansas's gym. I was getting ready to call the Kansas game against Kansas State. And uh, San Diego State, excuse me, Kansas against San Diego State. San Diego State actually beat him the next day. But Bill Self's like, 
uh, I said, how good is Joel Embiid? He's like, he'll be the MVP of the NBA and a first ballot Hall of Famer. I was like, what? And he had played like 10 games at the time. I was, in, you know, and they had Andrew Wiggins at the time who was a higher rated recruit. He's like, I've never seen anything like him ever. And by all accounts, a hilarious dude with a gigantic personality that's trying to prove himself and his value in the NBA finals. And if you're listening to this pod after uh, game two of the Eastern Conference semifinals, you may have a different opinion of him coming off of a knee injury. But it, it's just, it's such a curious place we live in where it's really hard to just vote your conscience when you're told that maybe your conscience is leading you to pick somebody because of his race, which I don't believe has ever occurred in the NBA. It's weird. When Larry Bird went back to back to back, I, you know, I wasn't necessarily old enough to know, but it was never discussed. It was never, it's never been argued against. It was really, you know, Steve Nash and his two MVPs is what people were mad about, that Kobe should have won it. But again, Kendrick Perkins, not old enough to fucking, under, and, and really Kendrick Perkins, I don't believe views basketball the same as I do, which is, it's weird because though people can crush Kendrick Perkins because he didn't have great stats, he was a really valuable part of, the, of every team that he was on, but especially of the Boston Celtics. Everybody plays a role. And... um if we only value scoring, and Kobe was a very good defender when he wanted to be as well. Like, obviously you take Kobe. The thing about the two Nash years were they took over the NBA with a different style, and he took middling NBA players and made them into perennial all-stars because that's what a true point guard does. It was incredible. Like, if, ask Sean Marion, ask Amari Stoudemire, ask those guys who played with him. Like, should he have been the MVP? They would tell you, absolutely. We dominated the league. Now, didn't do in the postseason, which is similar to what Jokic has been through, Giannis with the exception of one year, and what Embiid has been through as well. So there actually is a parallel there. But I don't think the parallel is is race. I just, But it, it's a sad state of affairs because if you've ever been called, like there's other things you can prove, like, well, no, I'm not. How do you prove you're not a racist? Right? How do you how do you prove that? Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here and and I was, I remember when uh, when Trump was elected, how many people thought you know like that, um, I I you know like it became it became if you voted for Trump you were inherently a racist. Now I have other issues with people who vote for Trump, and I do think that it had it triggered uh, Trump's rhetoric triggered. You know, this alt-right, these alt-right people, which you don't need like that. That would have been my, my stance would have been like, hey, I don't need them to win an election. I don't care. Like, if you want to vote for me, I, I don't really want your vote. Vote for somebody else. But the, the, the point is that I don't think everybody who voted for him was, in fact, racist. Matter of fact, I'm sure there are black people that voted for him. Um, I, I just I thought the fact that he made up the Obama thing or he bought in the Obama not being born in Hawaii thing. And, you know, never back down, never apologize for it. And then, you know, you fast forward to all the other bullshit lies. And then the, the January 6th thing, like I, I just on the, on those things alone, I, policies aside, some of the policies I actually agree with and like on the economic side, but I, I just can't get over. But we got into this place to where it's like, you're a racist. Like, well, no, I'm not. You know, like I'm comfortable in any room with 
any color of skin, any skin color, any sort of background. I don't. Racism is holding somebody's race against them in how you view them. You know, uh, would you promote them? Would you work with them? You know, holding them to a different standard, shunning them from like, I've never done that in my life. But how do you defend yourself against somebody calling you a racist? And that's what I would guess. It doesn't take, doesn't mean every NBA voter that voted for Embiid feared that backlash. But I'm sure there's some, there's some that looked at it and goes like, I just, I got to look at this thing differently. And that's shitty. Let's just be honest. That's, that's a shitty way to kind of live. Right? Jay Stu, am I, am I missing anything in this argument? Um, you're not missing anything. I, I agree with all this. I, the context I think that, that is needed here is that what you're referring to is that Joel Embiid got 73 first place votes. Uh, Jokic got 15 first place votes. Um, the landslide is what the issue is. Like, as you said, Embiid probably deserved to win the MVP, but it's just the discrepancy in how many votes uh, Jokic got this year compared to the last two years. That makes no sense because he didn't fall off dramatically. His team seemed to be better. I don't know shit about this. I don't know who deserves MVP, but I, I, I do find that this discrepancy is disturbing. One MVP voter didn't vote for uh, Jokic at all. That I mean, how do you explain that? I want I want that guy to explain, or that woman to explain how that that's possible. Wait, wait. So, wait, how many how many people how many people can you vote for? How many vote? Uh, how many? Places? So it, it comes down to this: um, the Jokic got fifteen first place votes, fifty two second place votes, and thirty two third place votes. That that adds up to ninety nine, which means the hundredth voter didn't vote for him at all. Uh, well, who would you vote for then? You could vote for Embiid, Giannis, and Tatum? Exactly. Embiid. That's my point. And then Cowherd w- went on today. He he wouldn't go as far as you're going. But he's like, this, this is more of a vote against Jokic than it is a vote for Embiid. And if you if you like take the easy next step, it's like, yeah, why would that be? Because there was this weird toxic sentiment against voters who vote for white bullshit what kendrick perkins did is fucking bullshit and they keep fucking trotting him out there like he knows and and again like he's been there have been other people that it's what did what did uh uh, Stephen a did the same shit with the with the Kawhi leonard thing right i know it's not race related so maybe it feels like an aside but like do you when you work at espn okay and this is from a guy who used to work at ESPN and doesn't. I've never been a person that's like, ESPN sucks, it's bullshit. Like, I'm not. Okay? When you work at ESPN, your voice matters more, especially on television. Okay? It just does. It just does. Okay? It's because we all grew up, that was where sports were. We know, we all know our radio network is better. Everybody knows it. All the ratings tell you it. Their stuff is a mess. We know it's better. I would tell you that many of our TV shows are better, but I'm also understand that it doesn't necessarily have to do with being better. It has to do with ESPN is the rights holder to the NBA. They've been synonymous with sports for entire for Kendrick Perkins entire life. It has been synonymous with sports. So when you say <coughs> that race plays a factor, okay, in a guy where the analytics told you he was the guy, right? It's just a shitty thing to do to somebody. 
It's a shitty thing to do. And like, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get how it's okay. It's really, really bad. And I honestly, like, I don't know Drew Hanlon. I don't, I know lots of people know him, like him. Like he's a, he's, you know, a great workout guy believes in his guys. Like that's what you're supposed to do when, when you're somebody's workout guy, somebody's friend, <coughs> excuse me, somebody's advocate. Okay. You're supposed to support them, but just tearing down Jokic, n- no workout guys ever done that before. Ever done that before. I- I'd be sitting there if I'm in the Nuggets locker room, like, dude, fuck you. That's so such bullshit to do. Who does that? Not your job in any way, your job. You know what it does? Like I, I like this Lakers team. I like the fact that they have bounced back that they have a chance now. And I thought they weren't a contender, you know, three, four weeks ago. I still think if the Clippers were healthy, the Clippers are demonstrably better, but they're not. And so you can't really make, and they're obviously not even in the playoffs anymore. Right. Um, but I would, I would tell you that this makes me want Jokic to win a championship even more. I'm with you. <laughs> right. You're just like, what, what did he like? Plus the way he plays is awesome. He loves passing the basketball. He, 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 they, they funnel everything to him defensively. You know, he's not, not, he's one of those guys that even when he's in shape, he doesn't look like he's in shape. Like there's a lot to love about this guy. And I just feel like this is just a shitty way to, to treat a guy. Like if you want to go, Hey man, look, kind of look further at this stuff. And the analytics thing is missing X, Y, and Z fair. But when you made it about race, it's really unfair. It's just really unfair. And if you followed me long enough, you'd understand that if there's one thing about me above all others, it's that I'm fair. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Juan Gabriel. Juan Giz. Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith 
When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get with Fox said. And now. <laughs> what does the Fox say? It's Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio and the in the bonus uh, podcast. All right, let's get to what the Fox said. This is Colin Cowherd talking about the Warriors. Not to go Aaron Rodgers, but R-E-L-A-X, Warrior <laughs> fans. Number one, Golden State, the reigning champs, came off a tough, long, emotional seven-game series, had very little time to prep or rest for this game. The Lakers came in with two days of additional rest. A huge deal for LeBron. A huge deal for A.D. In fact, last night was only the third time all season that LeBron and A.D. both played simultaneously 40-plus minutes. The Lakers' stars were rested. They had a nice game plan. Let's be honest. Golden State didn't even have a defensive game plan, and they jacked 53 threes. They didn't have much of an offensive game plan. They've done this before. They let the series come to them. So that's number one. You got a rested, focused, underdog Laker team with a real game plan. Uh, yes, but there's... I, I agree that there's uh, plenty of time left in the series and plenty of adjustments that can be made. Totally agree there. Right? And um, I think they can play small more. They can figure out how to use Steph better. They got Jordan Poole going a little bit last night. They can figure some stuff out. But Looney is not getting more athletic defensively between now and games two through potentially seven. Right? They don't have 
anyone who outside of Looney can actually defend Anthony Davis. The flaw to this team is in the construction in that they don't, they, they chose to not have the traditional big guy, right? I mean, go back and look at who won the Grizzlies series for the Lakers. It was Anthony Davis. And because Steven Adams was out and then, um, Brandon Clark was out, you're missing your starting five and your small ball five. So uh, I get that Kevon Looney is a tremendous rebounder and a pretty good low post defender, but the paucity of depth of interior talent may ultimately be their undoing. Uh, it should also be pointed out that that Draymond, in a three-point game, you know, when they cut it to three, right before Steph hit the three to tie it, Draymond smoked a layup. And I, D'Angelo Russell shot an air ball on a three on the subsequent possession. But, like, the margin for error for the Warriors is much slighter than it's ever been previously. And the Lakers made them pay for it. And even though LeBron traveled and D'Lo shot a, an air ball, uh, they still end up winning winning the game, even in that stretch where they gave up a 14-0 run. This was Shannon Sharp talking about the Grizzlies reportedly parting ways with Dylan Brooks. I'm disappointed because it looks like to me the Grizzlies are trying to scapegoat this man into their season not being what they thought it would be. Skip, I'm a firm believer. If you, What type of environment you have, especially if it's sports-related, you either coach a behavior or you condone a behavior. Yeah, now, which true. is it, Taylor Jenkins? Mm-hmm. Because when they were chirping last year, and they started this last year, yep. you didn't say anything. The organization did not get this under control. And you thought it was cute because you went in a couple of games that are, oh, the Grizzlies, they're young and they're up and coming, and they're just chirping. And everybody, let them chirp, let them talk. Now you 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 come up short of yep. your expectations, and now you will play place all this at Dylan Brooks' feet. Nah, Dylan Brooks is the least of your problems. You know what the problem is, but y'all won't say that out loud. There was another bigger problem that circulated the latter part of this season. It did. But y'all put that on Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks said what he said, but don't nobody talk more than Ja. Go to the games and see. He was the one that every time he do something this, he can't effing guard me. Get him out of here. You coach it or you condone it. Yep. Now you want to place this at this man's feet. Um, I just think we're we're making it about the Lakers series. And when an organization leaks out that they're no matter what, they have no interest in him being back. There's a lot more to it than that. You know, there's a lot more to it than that. This is, it's like uh, in relationships, right? When there's a, a moment where the woman cheats on a guy, guy cheats on a, a woman. There's a lot more to it than just that, right? There's, years or months of disconnect or whatever. When you get fired, generally, you don't get fired for one thing. You know, you get fired because there's a litany of things that you've done that pe- nobody was going to stand up and go like, hey, you know, great guy, don't fire him. So I understand how it looks optically. I do think that the Grizzlies weren't ready for prime time and if you're going to kind of send out a warning to everybody in the franchise that, hey, you could be next, especially with Ja and the things that he pulled and the suspension he got, that Dylan Brooks is an easy one to to feed to the Sharks. But Dylan Brooks is not going to be that valuable on the open market financially. You already had him at kind of a discount rate. So my guess is that there's a lot more to it 
You know, you heard Draymond talking about, I don't think his teammates like him. It's not, I, I just don't think his teammates like him. He got voted off the island. And I don't think the Lakers thing was a major part. I just think it was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Here's Brady Quinn, Jonas Knox, and LeVar Arrington reacting to the news that Deshaun Watson is moving forward with a civil trial. There's too much smoke for there not to be fire. Yeah. I mean, come on. That's the general issue with all this. It seems predatory. It seems like something crazy was going on. And, and so I, I continue to go back to, but then you have an ownership group that, and by the way, like when people say, well, Jimmy Haslam, those guys you know, must have been okay with it. They didn't do that much digging around. Because they didn't get involved in the process of even looking at Deshaun Watson until very late into that offseason. I mean, the, he was going to Atlanta. It was a done deal. And then they turn around and give him a deal that he can't refuse. That quarterbacks are still trying to get in this league that no one else will give. <laughs> While all this stuff is out yeah. there. While all of it's still going on. So the Browns willingly outbid Atlanta because they had to have Deshaun Watson. How bad must things have been with Baker Mayfield or how desperate must they have been that Jimmy Haslam said, forget all that stuff. We'll give him $230 million guaranteed. How can you say no? It's crazy. But, but think Bending. about this, though. Like, like, How does that make you view him as an owner for being able to contribute to that? Agreed. Like, I don't What's his and, capability? And that's, and that's why I feel like every every owner looks at him. Chest. Yeah, every every owner looks at him though and goes, "Not only did you put us in a tough situation, whether it's Steve Bashotti with Baltimore and Lamar Jackson or, who, or you know whoever else, but with a questionable dude." Yeah, look, I I would tell you that I think there's um, there, there's a there's a lot to it here, okay. Uh, I think there's a good chance that the Cleveland Browns and all the other teams are like, oh, you guys are okay with him? Then we're okay with him. Does that make sense? You know, it's like, well, did you do a thorough background check? Was like, well, yeah, we we checked some stuff out. We talked to the NFL people and, you know, Atlanta was okay with it and Carolina was okay with it. So, like, why wouldn't we be okay with it? And then when we heard that, you know, there's going to be a settlement with all these cases, like, well, we're, we're good. We're good here. We're good. Everybody just takes everybody else's word for it. You know, it's like going by the Carfax report. Like maybe there's something that wasn't reported. So I, it just, it looks terrible. Now it's also a woman who's holding out uh, her name. Her last name is Baxley. Um, and she has said that Lauren Baxley, she's held out. She's the last remaining client out of the 26 that all used Tony Busby. And she's like, because there was no remorse or no apology, I'm not accepting any of the settlement offers. Um, but the, the, the problem with it becomes like, what is the, what would the NFL do? He already sat for a year and what, what was it? Uh, 10 games or 11 games. So he's already sat the time. It would technically be double jeopardy. It just continues to look like the Browns were a clown show and that they likely just took everybody's word for it. Hey, we're good here. Let's move forward. That's what the Fox say. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Juan Gabriel. Juan Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Harold G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. 
I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's find out who or what is annoying Jason Stewart. And now, it's your annoying. Hey, Doug, um, I guess Twitter has an NBA Twitter live, and they have... Shannon Fry, uh, Pacers guard Ty Halliburton, and Taylor Rooks live reacting to the game. Um, kind of like a Manning cast on Twitter. Um, and say what you want about Taylor Rooks and, and Shannon Fry, but 
this exchange annoys the hell out of me. I want to play it for you, and I'll uh, explain on the other end. He's got to get off it, though. He's got to get off it. Anybody else? What? Oh, my God. He can't be Ain't no way. Taylor, what's wrong with that shot, guys? What's wrong with that shot? Hold on now. (laughs) Can I see it again? Who's taking it? (laughs) Where did he take that from? What do you want him to do? Take a dribble? Dog, just 10 seconds left in the game. But what if you're not going to get a better shot than that? You going to be this. Look at this. No contest. Look at this. I'm sorry. I'm cool From if I'm going to He's shooting where Darvin Ham is. <laughs> get off the henny. I cannot. No way. Come no on. No way. I Jose. mean, sick if, they, sick if they lose this one, which. They're going to. Yeah. You know what that is? That's analytics. You think because you don't can like shoot, that shot? Not one bit. He don't I'm like that mad. shot. Yeah, Look well, I mean, him. Jordan was like, I had the high hand. I was having a good game. I'm yeah, not, I'm not mad at that I'm shot. Just... He's wide open. That's Ty Halliburton defending the shot. Yep. And now, Doug, I know you defend the shot, too. That's Channing Fry acting like the opinion that that shot was okay is like the worst thing he's ever heard. Right. He told him to get off the henny. And then Taylor Rooks is just doing a bunch of exclamations and not adding much. But like Channing Fry. No, no, you, she's, you, she's acting like she knows what the fuck she's talking about. <laughs> no, like literally she's acting like. And, and look, this is again, this is not an attack on Taylor Rooks. This is an attack on anybody who's talking about basketball that hasn't played or coached basketball in in an analyst sort of format. And I get you're just a you're just a oh, I what I never who's taking it. What are you talking about? Who's taking the shot? He hit six threes in the game. You sound like a you you, you don't know what you're talking about. Like Jordan Poole last year in the NBA Finals took those shots, made those shots, and got a new contract because of it. What the fuck are you talking about? But again, this is not about Taylor Rooks, right? In the context of, and I understand it's a free-flowing, open conversation, but, you know, Ernie doesn't say what's a good shot, what's a bad shot. He may question, he may ask Charles, or may ask Shaq or Kenny. He doesn't. Uh, Greeny doesn't say, you know, Greeny, you know, sometimes guys step over the line or whatever, but like, uh, this is where, why does her her opinion doesn't matter other than I guess it's the fans' opinion, but it it, it really is. And I I I like hearing and then like Channing throwing out analytics. Well, that's analytics, huh? What are you talking about? What he's if you want to say it's a bad shot because of the distance of the shot, that's fine. If you want to use the term analytics, tell me what the analytics are. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going. But it's one thing to have an opinion that it was a bad shot. That's fine. I've I've heard that today. That's fine. But to act like the person that has the opinion that it was a fine shot. I mean, Steve Kerr after the games was good with it. Steph Curry was good with the shot. Um, But to have to act like that opinion is like get off the henny. Like that to me was was offensive. But um, so uh, is it Demontis Sabonis? Demontis. Yes. yes. Uh, remember, or you can just say Domas. Yeah. So Domas for short. He uh, he was asked about Draymond Green's comment that Draymond lost a lot of respect for him for not shaking hands at the end of the series between the Kings and the Warriors, and this exchange happened. Draymond Green had comments about you not shaking hands after uh, the game was over. Do you hear those comments? Do you care about those comments or care to respond to those comments? I don't know. You know, after the game, you know, um, 
they all need, I mean, I don't even know how to respond. I don't know how to respond. I don't know how to respond. He's had 48 hours to think about this. Um, I think the professional thing to do would have just been like, you know what? I, my emotions were running high. I I should not have done that. I should have probably shook his hands. But in the moment, I didn't feel like being whatever, gentlemanly with the other team. But to say I don't really have an answer for that after given 48 hours to respond, I thought that was annoying. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there's plenty of viable explanations for it. But the I don't know how to respond is a weird one. Yes, John Ramos. I mean, yesterday we played a cut of Draymond Green who said he walked into the locker room and said, mm, that wasn't right, and then went back out on the court. So it took him like five seconds to figure out, like, mm, that probably wasn't a good idea. This guy's had, what, two days? He's like, I'm not sure still. <laughs> what? I think what he wants to say is that doesn't validate a response. But, Maybe. But, again, in two days somebody could have helped him out with it. Yeah, it, it almost validates Draymond's. I'm a I'm a handshake guy. I mean, I think we've made that pretty clear. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. You could have that. You could have whatever opinion you have on on giving a handshake, but you you need to have some response in this exit interview. Um, Jonathan Gannon. We didn't cover this too much when it happened, but remember Jonathan Gannon was uh, he's the new head coach of the Cardinals, yeah, yeah. and he was the one who told Arizona media at his press conference, look, I'm very comfortable talking to the media. And then, <laughs> and then he took a lot of shit because he used this example about an exchange in Philly where he said, quote, you know, those guys wanted me fired. Um, and, and, you know, and they would ask me questions. And so he was called out on that because they, they went through the receipts and nobody asked a question about him being <laughs> fired or wanting him to be fired. Yeah. So what he did this weekend uh, he didn't speak. He didn't speak after day one, day two, or day three. A couple of the guys that cover the Cardinals were like, in my more than a decade of covering this team, the head coaches always talked about the draft. Um, and so <laughs> I think it's pretty annoying that a guy who started this whole thing by saying, I'm very comfortable talking to the media, hasn't talked to the media since he got shit for what he did last week. Or yeah, two it's, weeks a, ago. It's, a, it's a really weird thing. What's, what's interesting is, you know, he comes from – from Philadelphia, and when um, uh, when why am I forgetting his name? What's the Eagles head coach? Uh, Sirianni. Yeah, when when Nick Sirianni got the job, remember how how bad his opening press conference was? It was like, holy shit, this guy is not ready for this. And then he's taking on this like WWE machismo kind of fake persona that oh, this is who he really is now. And now he's like a different guy at press conferences. Gannon looked similarly overwhelmed and uh, completely over his skis. You know, he, he kind of looks like he kind of looks like uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, <laughs> especially in uh, Ricky Bobby, Talladega Nights. I was thinking closer to uh, Adam Klug, but I mean, most people listening to the show don't know what Adam Klug looked like. But <laughs> that's what I was thinking when I was looking at him. Right? Uh, who else annoys you? No, that's it. So um, Gannon and then that exchange, that Shannon Fry, Taylor Rooks thing. And then uh, who was the one in the middle? Uh, Sabonis. I think uh, the Channing Fry, Ty Halliburton, Taylor Rooks thing is is annoying. It's 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 annoying right? because there's 
there's a like JJ Reddick had a, a really really good like hey look under under eight under seven teams are going to foul anyway you know um, there's the Jay Wright always says that you're never going to be more open than when you first catch the basketball um, and he'd had a good night shooting the, shooting the ball made six threes like there's a reasonable discussion to be had saying stay off the hen what and then like Taylor Rooks just like adding things that make it seem like she's not him well then who. Only Steph and Clay. Like, have you not watched the Warriors play ever? I'll grant it. He hadn't had a great year. But that is actually what he does. He's a bad shot taker and occasionally a bad shot maker. So, Channing Fry, Ty Halliburton, and Taylor Rooks. Time for our pick of the day. Okay, sir, the bet is to you. All in, baby! It's time for the pick of the day. All right, pick of the day. This is the the spread that says, oh, they mad, huh? Right? Celtics are an eight-point favorite after losing at home, even though Joel Embiid's going to play. The only possible way you can think the Celtics are going to win by eight or more points is if they, they mad, huh? Oh, now they take it seriously. I think we continue to undersell how good the Sixers are and how good Joel Embiid is. Um. I love the Sixers to cover that number. If you can get an eight and a half, even better. Give me the Sixers to cover Celtics to win. That's it for the In the Bonus podcast. Check out the radio show tomorrow, 3 o'clock Eastern, 12 o'clock Pacific. I'm Doug Gottlieb. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.